But you think the word of God in the scriptures of the New Testament in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 11. Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 11, reading from the beginning. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in the cities. Now when John appeared in the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Thou art thou him that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive a sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be ascended in me. So departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what went he out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking with the wind. But what went he out for to see? A man clothed in soft clothing. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went he out for to see? A prophet. Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the Lord prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is the last which was for to come. Ye that have ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-pitter, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Then began he to abrade the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Corazon, woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Thou, Capernaum, which art exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. 
back down Jesus answered and said I thank thee O Father Lord of heaven and earth because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes even so Father for so it seemed good in thy sight all things are delivered unto me of my Father and no man knoweth the Son but the Father Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. May God bless unto us this reading from his holy word and to his name be the praise. <coughs> Let us now turn to words which we shall find in the portion of scripture read. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 11. And let us read again at verse 25. Mm. Verse 25. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. These words. Verses we see a Lord rebuking the cities which uh, had such great privileges of his ministry and yet rejected the offer of the gospel. And uh, rebuking them in such a way that he's uh, uh, comparing them with the idolatrous cities of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and Tyre and Sidon, these cities that had the opportunities that were given by Christ to the cities of Galilee, they would have repented long ago in uh, sackcloth and ashes. Mm, repented long ago in uh, ashes. Uh, sackcloth and ashes, which is a sign of repentance, or was the sign of repentance among the Jews. They put on sackcloth next to the skin and uh, ashes uh, on their head, confessing that dust, uh, the threat that was given to Adam by God, dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. Uh, It is difficult for us to understand uh, how people who had actually tested of the loaves and the fishes 5,000 or 10,000 because there were 5,000 plus women and children who went up for 
the long from the fishes, all ten thousand eating of the fish as well as of the loaves that the little boy had. In seeing such a miracle, how could they re reject the one who had performed it? And how would they not listen to this man who was able to walk on the sea and to perform miracles among them? who had transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, who had healed so many people, touching even lepers, and who had manifested his power over nature and over humanity and over the deceitful heart of man itself. For the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can understand it. We must not think that the preaching of Christ was without any converts at all. Uh, certainly, Capernaum did not respond to his message. And thou, Capernaum, exalted to heaven because of its privileges, thou shalt be cast down to hell. Mm. Uh, but uh, uh, the privileges that were given were rejected and they did not bear fruit in their lives in general. We know that uh, Christ had more fruit than many of us who are preaching the word for years and years. He was only preaching for three years. And yet we found 500 converts, more than 500 converts, and we don't believe that they were all there. Uh, on uh, meeting him in Galilee after his resurrection. 500 converts. Mm. And I think it would be a very successful ministry for anyone to have 500 converts. Uh, more than 500 converts. And of course, more were coming when the day of Pentecost would come and he would pour down the Spirit from on high to bring in thousands even on one day and of course to extend the message of the gospel to the Gentiles and eventually punish the Jews because of their rejection of the Messiah for whom they are still looking. You see the Jews even today are looking for the Messiah. You understand by the Messiah of course a promised Savior, Messiah, means the anointed one. He had been anointed from eternity into the offices of prophet, priest, and king. And they were looking for this Messiah, but when he came, they rejected him. And uh, when they rejected him, he threatened them, threatened them, uh, with the punishment that would come upon them and that came on them in 1870 especially when the Romans burnt the city of Jerusalem. And when all Jews and Christians as well were scattered throughout the Roman and Greek Empire. <clears throat> and the Jews have never returned except in small triplets ever since. But the promises are in the world that they will still return. 
Thou, Capernaum, which shalt exalt it into heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Uh, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. It is a solemn thought to think that those who have the privileges of the gospel will suffer greater judgment than Sodom and Gomorrah. That is the implication here. That those who uh, are reject and continue to reject to the end the message which Christ has left in the Gospel will have a greater judgment than those of Tyre and Sidon who were Gentiles at that time too, but idolaters. But that is because their responsibility is greater. The reason why these cities were so abraded by Christ was that they had great responsibilities through the opportunities given to them to believe in him as the Messiah. Through his miracles, through his teaching, through his preaching, through the definite stand he took, that the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him to preach this word of reconciliation to the Jews first, and then to the Gentiles. He never preached to the Gentiles himself, till he sent his apostles to the Gentiles. He refused to, to go to the Gentiles even with the side of Phoenician. She had to come to him for her daughter. And uh, he manifested his power by uh, showing her that a daughter could be healed even at a distance. So that this makes us think of what kind of personality Christ had. Christ had. I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Then we see Christ as he looks at them and as he feels their animosity, answering them with these solemn words. And they are solemn words. I thank thee, O Lord. Uh, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. And these are indeed solemn words. It is evident to everyone that God has revealed, has uh, hid the message of the gospel uh, in spirituality from many intelligent people, people who are wise and people who are prudent. But the remarkable thing here is that Jesus Christ is thanking the Father for doing so. 
But hiding these things from the wise and the prudent, it would be difficult perhaps for some Christians to use this prayer. How could we thank the Father for hiding something which is so vital to our eternal welfare? Hiding these things, the things concerning the Messiah, the things that concern our salvation. It is clear that he has a reason when he is able to thank the Father for this. Let us remember first that he is quite conscious of his own eternal generation. O oh, Father, he claims God as his Father. He is of course addressing the first person of the Trinity as the representative of the Trinity. And he is conscious of his own eternal generation as he does so. And as he is conscious of this, he possesses that divine nature that is the same nature as the Father has. And of course he knows the person of Christ knew what was in the counsel of God regarding the people he was to save and the people who would be lost. <clears throat> I thank thee, O Father, why or how was he able to thank him for things uh, which you would think he were paid for and which he would, you would think he expected. Christ is not disappointed that people are not coming to him. Christ is not disappointed that people are rejecting him. He's not disappointed. Christ knows the world from the beginning. The sovereignty of God reigns supreme in these things. I thank thee, O Father, that thou hast hid. Now, when, Christ, when God hides anything, he hides it because of his eternal wisdom first. But rules over all things. He knows what he's doing. He knows what his purpose is. He knows, and Christ knew when he went up to heaven, he knew the secret of the, of the decrees. They were revealed in a measure to his uh, human nature when he sat on the throne with the Father and was able to loose the seven seals and uh, so understand the secret, the secrets of the providential care of the world by God. I thank thee, O Father, he had reason to thank him. For the sovereignty of God was working with him all the time and all that he was doing. And in spite of uh, the difficulties and trials that he was encountering in preaching the word through the enmity of the Jews, it was a cause of thankfulness to him. He was able to look further than the present state of affairs in Israel. He saw the world from the beginning. He knew that God had a purpose. He knew that he himself had received an elect number from the Father. 
and not all that the Father gave them would come to him. And they will. But none of these will be lost, that all will be his in the day when he will make up his jewels. And he sent him into the eternal wisdom, that uh, is ruling in everything so far as salvation is concerned. We cannot bring anyone to life. We cannot even impart a blessing to anyone. The spirit alone quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. And he was as it were moving under the work, the providential works of God that manifested his sovereignty. I thank thee, O Lord, that thou hast hid From the wise and the prudent, these things concerning salvation, concerning his own person, concerning his incarnation and this life and death and uh, uh, resurrection and ascension, and uh, concerning the intercession. I thank thee, O Lord, that thou hast hid. It is extremely difficult for intelligent People. Take, for example, teachers who are teaching their pupils and they know that some of them are very dumb. And yet they see at times somebody is converted and they themselves can't get hold of the faith, of the faith that is in Christ. The sovereignty of God is coming through there so clear. And Jesus is stressing this fact that the one who saves is God himself. That God comes into the life of the one who is brought to life. That it's not merely a matter of persuasion. That it's not a matter of reasoning with that person uh, that it would be to his benefit to, uh, to trust implicitly in the finished work of Calvary. Something takes place in the heart of man when the Spirit brings to life. And the Holy Spirit himself, there is when a power, cannot bring to life except by taking of the things of Christ and applying them to the heart of a sinner. A heart that is deceitful above all things. You see, a man does not clothe with Christ by first endeavouring to prove, improve this life. It is very remarkable that we often see efforts by men to try and improve their lives, lives and think that they can then be accepted on the basis of that improvement. These men, of course, are labouring under the covenant of works. Every man is under one of the two covenants. Our under the covenant of works are under the covenant of grace. And the covenant of works is declaring to man do this and live. And people don't understand the great demands which the covenant of works makes upon them. Love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. 
it's not an easy thing to love God. Indeed, it is impossible for man, as Christ declares here, as he is of himself, to love God. Man may try to love God, man may try to walk in his ways, man may make an effort to try and find out what is in the word of God, what promises he has given, and man may make an effort to try and find out whether there is an eternity or not. And there are many people who think uh, that there isn't. <clears throat> that there is no such thing as a next life. <clears throat> I thank thee, O Father, that thou hast hidden these from the wise and the prudent. Now, who are the wise and the prudent? Well, of course, uh, there were many Jews in Israel who were wise and prudent as they dealt with civic matters, with the affairs of state. It is extremely difficult for those who get into high positions in our country to realize that a child of God who may be very ignorant regarding uh, uh, the things of state has a higher light than the highest in our government. Mm. I'm not judging Mrs. Thatcher when I say that. The judgment of these people is not mine. It is God's. But this is what is implied in these words. I uh, thank thee, O Lord, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. Now, you know, you know that these wise and prudent men, how they manage their own affairs. They watch all sorts of things to improve their lot in life. They're even careful, perhaps, about their character. They're endeavouring to live a life of luxury within certain bounds. And they are regarded by their friends and other people as people who are wise in the dealings with their own affairs and with others. Prudent, astute. They have a mental attitude that is able to face difficulties and trials and take the best out of them. Christ thanks the Father that this matter of revelation of grace is hidden from them. And there is a sense in which we as Christians are able to give the same thanks to God. Same thanks to God. There are many people here tonight who know not the Lord. I cannot bring them to life. I can declare the message of the gospel and they resent this sort of message. Resent the message that takes away their ability, their power. They think that if any man can do it, they can do it. And this is a, a thing that is taught to every Christian who comes to Christ his inability. His inability to improve himself, his inability to believe, his inability to trust himself implicitly to the finished work of Calvary. You just try it. And you won't be saved until you fail. 
you won't be saved until you fail. This is what every Christian has found. There are some people, of course, who are called suddenly, and uh, they don't have to go through that process, but uh, it will be just as obvious that the call was suddenly bestowed upon them by the Spirit of God. I thank thee that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. There may be good churchmen, and there are many good churchmen in the land. I'm not sure that that is any mark of a Christian faith that they are good churchmen. Mm -hmm. I remember a minister telling us once that he had been invited to attend a feast that was prepared by a certain wealthy lady who knew. And of course he had purposely invited him so that he would ask a blessing on the food. And when time came to partake of what was laid on the table, uh, she told him that there were a number of elders in the company. And when he asked him to ask a blessing, he said, no, he said, ask, ask one of these elders. He wasn't an elder, but he was a Christian. Ask one of these elders. And the nearest one said to him, what did you mean, ask a blessing? What did you mean? Oh, he said, give thanks to God for the measures that we have received and ask him to bless them. Thank you, God. That's all he said. That's all he knew about asking a blessing on the benefits which we receive in this life. I fear that there are many in office in our land who are like this. I'm not referring to our own island, but uh, it may be true of this town too. I don't know. God knows. But there is a sense in which we can thank God that he has hidden these things from the wise and prudent. And of course this uh, also brings out the election of God. It can only be revealed to those whom God has loved from all eternity and at the appointed time was laid down in his councils. There is a time for everything. There is no yesterday of tomorrow in the life of God. It is always the present. Before Abraham was, I am. He sees everything at once. Not only now, but everything that past and everything that is future. So far as he can lay hold of it, they are all present to him. He knows where you're going. He knows what you're going to do. He knows what your life is. He knows how you reject him. He knows how you make any effort to read the word of God, to bend to do me, to the one in whom you need and move and have you be. He hits you. He appalls those of you who go to the public house. He appalls you even there. For it is in him that all of us move and live and have our being. The providence of God and the upholding of sinful men is extremely mysterious. Mysterious. We must deal with them according to their deserts. 
But that does not imply that he will not deal with them later. It implies that he will, and he will, because the justice of God will deal with them, he will deal as a rector of judge with them. And there we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the next thing that Christ brings in, I thank thee, O Father, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. And you know the mind of a babe does not really function as a baby very much. He doesn't reason very much. He may, a baby may reason that he can get milk from the breast of his mother or from a bottle or whatever he gets it and they cry to get it at times. He, he can reason that much. He knows where the milk is coming from. But uh, this is a matter of internal revelation. It is not something that is shown outside so that we can accept it. It is something that uh, takes place in the heart. It is as easy for the Spirit of God to bring to life the unborn child as the man who has the highest and best philosophic mind in the land. The same power, the same grace, the same revelation, it can only be done by revelation. And we are thankful to God that it can only be done by revelation. The revelation given by God through the Spirit of Christ, as he takes of Christ and shows him to the soul. I thank thee, O Father, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Now we must not think that this implies that everyone who becomes a Christian becomes a Christian when he is a baby. That is not what is implied. We know very well that the many Christians do not uh, recollect that they had any likings for Christ when they were children. Mm. Uh, especially our youth, you know, that are often that they turn away from Christ in case people will say that they are converted. But it is remarkable that everyone that is brought to life, for the, even if he were as old as Methuselah, will become a babe when the graces of God are imparted to his heart. He becomes a baby in ability. He becomes a baby in intelligence. He cannot understand the mystery of salvation. He becomes a babe in knowledge of the things that are in the word of God. He becomes a babe in doing something for God. He's just as if it were crawling on his knees for the first time, trying to walk. And he begins to find difficulty in walking in the straight and narrow. And God sometimes permits his truth uh, to go into the ditch so that he will learn to trust in him. Thou hast revealed it unto babes. Babes. You know that the disciples, so far as uh, 
None of us intelligence was concerned were really babes in knowledge. They, they were expert fishermen. And I don't uh, in any way despise the calling of the fishermen. But uh, it is clear that they did not belong to the intelligentsia of uh, Israel. These were usually found among the Sadducees. And these Sadducees, they did not believe in a resurrection. They did not believe in an angel. They did not believe in life to come. The Pharisees did, they believed in the resurrection and in angels. And Paul used that because the two bands of Pharisees and the Sadducees against one another and uh, so uh, was unable to be released. People who are in high offices, they are inclined to get away from the discipline of the church. Get away from the discipline of, of the church. It interferes, especially with those who are trying to use every means on which they can lay hands to improve the lot in pecuniary affairs. This is what happens. I think the love of money is stronger in this country today than it ever was uh, since it became a nation. The love of money. And we are beginning to realize anew that the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And when we think of uh, the extremes and the excitement that is still got in the stock exchange in London when the figures of inflation are announced, when they get lower or higher, there is a flutter as to how much they have lost or how much they will gain. People becoming millionaires in one, two, three or four years through their astuteness, through their prudence, through their wisdom, through their manipulation uh, of uh, uh, the stock exchange and computers. But they are unable to lay hold of the richness that is in Christ. Let us remember that there are great and unsearchable riches in Christ himself. Not only has he laid up riches for us, but they are unsearchable riches. Even when we go to heaven, we shall know only as if it were a little of our inheritance. We are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And our sufferings are part of, as if it were, a moment of the inheritance which we are going to reap eventually. For whom the Lord loves and chastens. It is given unto you not only, or gifted as it is in, in the original, in, in uh, the garlic, it is gifted unto you not only to believe on him, but to suffer for him. I thank thee, O Father, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and uh, that thou hast revealed them unto babes.
Even so, Father, for so simple to in thy son. Now there is the reason. The reason why God does this. Because his eternal wisdom that this saw and did this. Because it was the best way to run his universe. The best way which God could think of. Far given the purposes of his decree to a conclusion in a way that would glorify his holy name. Now I didn't put these words in the Bible at all. I want you to study them for yourself and to realize how difficult it is to get hold of eternal life. But I want you to realize this, that this is not lessening your responsibility. We cannot reconcile the sovereignty of God with responsibility of man. We don't try to do that. It is impossible for us to do it. You remember, I think, you have heard time and again the way Spurgeon was looking at it. He was thinking of the responsibility of God as one side of that window and the sovereignty of God as the other and that they were meeting in the arch in heaven, in God himself, and he alone was able to join them. But God declares to man that he is responsible for his sins. If he wasn't responsible for his sins, he couldn't be brought to judgment. And no greater sin can a man commit than to carry on the life of unbelief in Christ. For without faith it is impossible to please God. Unbelief in Christ. This is the greatest sin. Apart from, of course, the impardonable sin where a man is rejecting against life the message of the gospel coming from Christ himself. The impardonable sin. And if we die in unbelief, we die in an impenitence that we can never uh, improve them even when we see God, even when we come to the judgment. If we don't change here, we cannot change at the judgment. We cannot change at the judgment. You remember the rich fool and his wives in hell as he saw Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham? He wanted to be comforted in hell. It cannot be done. Simply cannot be done. Even God himself cannot comfort a man in hell. It's an expression of hatred, righteousness and judgment on these people. They are not keeping the full complement of their descents because they couldn't stand it. And they cannot be annihilated which many people would like, because a man was created in a way in which he cannot be annihilated. It's a living soul. And even a threefold death will never uh, annihilate the man who goes to eternal damnation, otherwise damnation wouldn't be eternal. Eternal damnation means that it goes on, right on through eternity without ever satisfying God. 
and indeed none of our works can be pleasing to God here. They may be better than the works of others when they are compared to works that are worse than their own. God has no repentance, no salvation on the basis of the efforts of man. He has no forgiveness of sins on the basis even of confessing your sins. Now that is a step in coming to Christ. It is natural for a man when the Spirit of God begins to deal with him to confess his sins. And he's apt to think that because he confesses his sins, he will be, be forgiven. And I am sure that he will if he confesses them aright with his hand on the only sacrifice which was offered for sinners. But it is not on the basis of his for, uh, uh, confession that forgiveness is given. But on the basis of the atonement of Christ, that I was wounded for him at the cross, and the responsibility lays on man's shoulders, the invitation which he is given after this. All things he said are handed over to me, delivered unto me of my father, and no man knoweth the son but the father, and no man knoweth the father but the son, unto whom whatsoever the son will reveal him. When we look at this, we see that there is no man who could know God unless the Son revealed him to uh, an individual. No man knows the Father but the Son, and no man knows the Son but the Father, because of the infinite attributes that are common to them and to the Holy Spirit. The terrible knowledge and wisdom belongs to the three persons. These are attributes that are common to the three persons. But it implies also that it is the Son that is revealing the Father to the, to the sinner that is brought to light. And although he has stressed so solemnly the sovereignty of God, both in hiding and in revealing, he still extends the invitation. Come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden. He has told them that the revelation must come through the Son. So he doesn't say, come to the Father, or come to God, but come to me. To me. He's not speaking in arrogance. He's not setting himself up as if he were above the Father or the Spirit. But he speaking as the one who knows that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is no other name given to heaven by which we can be saved. Come unto me. You cannot get life anywhere else. There is no other way in which you can get to heaven. There is no other door. If this place went on fire and there was only one door in which we could, uh, could get out, everyone would be struggling to get to that door. Well, this world is going on fire. This world is going up in flames, and it won't be caused by the atomic bomb or by a nuclear fission, but by the judgment of God. When Christ comes again in his glory, and no one can escape, I may be wrong, but it's my opinion that when Christ comes again, no one will be converted. No one will be converted. 
Because he has given the command to the Lord when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, sit thou on my right hand until I put all thine enemies as a footstool under thy feet. All thine enemies. The rest will be translated. Those who believe in Christ will be translated. They uh, will pass through the same thing as uh, Enoch and Elijah with their bodies going straight to be with the Lord, made like unto himself. And, of course, uh, the dead then in Christ will rise first, and then they that are alive and remain will be changed or translated. There is no period, so far as I can make out anyway, of evangelization at the last day. Everyone is going to be changed because they see the glory of the Son of God coming as he comes in his mediatorial glory. In the glory of the Father and the archangel and the trumpet and the angels gathering the sheep to the right and the goats to the left. It would indeed pay you to meditate on this vision of the second coming that is so clearly portrayed in the 24th and 5th chapters of this gospel so that you may realize what is your own end going to be I don't visualize that any of us here will be alive at that day but we shall be there and not saying that we shall be alive when Christ comes again I um, I think quite definite in my own mind that Christ will not come for some time yet because there are so many things that he has told us in this world that must take place before he will come again. I know he has the power to change things in uh, a very short time. But uh, when we all, when, we, when he will come in his mediatorial glory again at the last day, every eye shall see him. You may not have believed in his resurrection. You may not have believed in his message. But you will believe in that day, whether you are a Christian or not. But faith will not profit you. Faith in seeing Christ as a judge will be of no profit to the man who does not believe in him. Some people appear to come with great excuses at the last day to the Lord. O Lord, thou hast preached in our streets. We have cast out devils in thy name. We have performed miracles in thy name. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And it doesn't mean by I never knew you that he didn't know what they were doing. Of course he knew what they were doing. And he knew what their end would be. And he knew how they rejected him. And he knew how false their ideas were that they were creating miracles. And of course there are many people even in our own day who think they are creating miracles of invention and miracles of many other things, but who reject the only one who holds the key to the universe. They're exploring the universe just now, and as they have passed Neptune and Uranus, they feel that in another 350,000 years they will reach another planet. And they have only, as it were, touched 
the output of the universe. They are beginning to realize how truly fantastically great is the universe which God has made and over which he rules. The laws are there as they are on earth. Laws controlled by him. Laws whom Job himself realized were above uh, his intelligence. And uh, we know that the Lord has a purpose in all these things. It is not on any of these planets that we hope to live. But there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will reign. We shall be made like unto him and see him as he is. This is the great promise given to us. Oh, surely it would be a great pity if many of those who are listening to the gospel this week, here, someone on every day, will be found without Christ at the judgment seat on the last day. Without the wedding robe. Friend, how did you get in without a wedding robe? Make sure that you will get hold of a wedding robe before you go. And surely if you have a wedding robe, you are entitled to sit at the feast that is prepared for you. And we believe that the wedding robe is the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. There is no other way in which we can stand in the presence of Christ as judge. All judgment is given to the Son. There is no way in which we can stand in his presence unless we are clothed with his own righteousness as imputed to us. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We cannot plead, we have done this in thy name, or that in thy name. These things have no worth whatsoever so far as salvation is concerned. They may be beneficial to us and to others on the earth, but they have no claim on God for salvation. Come unto me. Take my yoke upon you. He knows exactly how that yoke will fit your shoulder. He knows the rest that he will give you. The rest that can only come from God and meet God where God himself rests. The only place in which God himself rests is in the person of Christ in his atonement. And that is the only place where a sinner can rest or find rest also. The sinner can find rest with God only by meeting him in the sacrifice of Christ through the atonement. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank thee that thou art long-suffering and kind. And we seek thy forgiveness for our shortcomings and all our efforts in thy name. That thou art able to come over the mountain of our transgressions. Thou, O Lord, art able to cleanse and sanctify us. We beseech thee to bless every effort made in thy name in this time, this evening, and these days to come out again with us on the morrow. Perhaps at the last great day of the feast thy voice will be heard. Have mercy upon us. Bring all safely to their various destinations and pardon sin 
Otro que no me sé.